Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com, The Big Change Program, and WellStartHealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a terrific and transformational life. So a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Engine 2 event called Plant Stock. This year, it was in the Black Mountains of North Carolina. And I was honored, privileged to moderate a panel on transformation. And there were four speakers on the panel. There was Josh Lajani, uh, Ken Lander, Adam Sud, and Joseph Alexander. Joseph has not yet been a guest on the podcast, but I hope he will be soon. The other three you can find if you just go to plantyourself.com and do a search. Uh, Adam, I interviewed with his mom, Lisa, um, when I was at the um, Get Healthy Marshall event, I believe it was a couple of years ago now, that was a really interesting podcast because Adam had been addicted to Adderall and weighed about 300 pounds and was a type 2 diabetic and was really at rock bottom. And he and his mom discussed his journey down and his journey back up, and it was extremely emotional. Uh, Ken Lander, uh, I met at Plantstock. I believe it was a year ago, and was fascinated by his story where he transformed his life and his doctor took a look at his medical records and asked, did you get a heart transplant? Because it looks like you have a whole new heart. And he dropped almost 200 pounds in a year and spoke very movingly of his faith, of his religious faith and how it has informed his journey and has informed his, his ministry to bring the message of health to others. If you're a listener to this podcast, you uh, don't need an introduction to Josh Lajani, my business partner at WellStart Health and Big Change Program. If you're new to this podcast and you haven't heard of Josh, he was on the cover of Runner's World in December 2016 after losing 230 pounds on a plant-based diet and becoming a runner. And he has one of the most inspirational stories and the most inspirational um, personalities out there. And you'll certainly get a sense of his blunt, no-nonsense, cut-to-the-chase, no-bullshit approach as he answers questions from audience members. I wasn't really set up to do high-quality recording. I took my uh, portable recorder and stuck it on a chair near where the um, panelists were sitting. Some of them were louder than others. I had to do a lot of leveling in post-production. And it's not going to be the highest-quality audio podcast you'll ever hear from me. I hope that the content from these four amazing human beings more than makes up for it. I also removed all the audience questions, both in the interest of privacy, because I didn't have everyone's permission to uh, put them on the podcast, but also because they were asking questions from all over and the audio quality was even worse. So where there was an audience question, I jump in here and paraphrase it before identifying each of the speakers as they respond to it. Big thanks to my panelists and big thanks to Rip Esselstyn, Lori Kordowicz, and all of the Engine 2 folks for giving me permission to share this panel on the podcast today. So without further ado, here is the transformation panel from Plantstock 2018. But well, one thing that I've heard from each of you, um, prof you know, pr that you believe profoundly and, and um, would like everyone to know is that you're not special. <laughs> right, because the minute we look at your transformation stories and go, oh my gosh, that's amazing how they do that. What's the X factor? What's the, what do they have that I don't have? Then there's no point to this. Then we're just watching a, a Hollywood movie that has no relevance to our lives. So I'd like to begin by asking a question. 
when you think about your whole transformation from wherever you consider it starting to wherever you are now, what was the easiest part? What was the part that was the least effort, the least change? What was something that just felt like, oh, I already have this resource, or I already want to move in this direction? And how did that contribute to the overall journey? First to respond is Adam Sud. I would say that the easiest thing is, like, you know, and I, and I know that this sounds like a lot of people might feel frustrated by the idea of it, but the easiest thing really was the food, is the tool, right? We all have it. We all we all have access to it. We can walk outside and we can get it. It's it it's something that I think that people. One of the things I'm I'm, I'm never, uh, I never that never ceases to amaze me is people's ability to overcomplicate the simplest of things. You know, I remember telling myself when I got started that my goal was not to try every unbelievable recipe I could find. But I'm not a cook, you know. That, that, that is a surefire way for frustration for me. My goal was to do this thing for seven days in the simplest way possible that allowed it to be easy for me to give me the opportunity to see what my body was capable of. And then at the end of that seven days, determine what worked, what didn't, and what was the next one thing I was going to add to it. And that, that, I think that, that that's, I think that that's the one thing that I, I find that is so easy for everybody is that we live in a society and in a culture where we can walk outside and have an option between uh, giving our feeling ourselves with the greatest health possible, or killing ourselves with the most destructive foods possible. And that is a gift that is rare in this world. I mean, that is not something that ever that the majority of the planet has that opportunity. And you know, we we overcomplicate it by believing we have to cook elaborate recipes, and it doesn't have to be. It's just it's simple. Next up is Joseph Alexander. Well, I am a cook. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but um, no, what Adam said is absolutely right. You know, we overcomplicate this cooking thing. If I'm on my own, can of beans, bowl of greens, I'm done. Uh, you know, why does it have to be harder than that? If you've got the time, great. Make it a little harder, but you don't have to overcomplicate it. But I'm going to step up uh, from that a little bit and say, for me, the easiest part was understanding the whole scenario. Um, I've been uh, following the Forks Over Knives crowd for years. Um, I've read the science, I read the research articles, I uh, uh, watch the new stuff as it comes out. And so for me, understanding the processes on a scientific level, that was pretty easy. Now, just like the food, it's really easy to make that really hard as well. This is also a big sticking point for people, this need to understand. In my case, I have the, the tendency to intellectualize things and make them far more complicated than they need to be. This doesn't need to be that way at all. This is a really simple process that anybody can approach at whatever level they're at. And so, um, you know, I, I think just like the food, don't overcomplicate this stuff. Pick up the books, read the articles, uh, not the scientific articles, but like uh, the ones that just talk about, hey, do this, and then do this, and just do that, and do the other thing. And now, Ken Lander. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go just a bit, uh, I guess, in a different direction. Um, the easiest thing for me was that I didn't have a choice. That was the easiest thing for me. Um, you know, I talk to people a lot. They always have. They always come with, you know, well, I'm doing this and doing that for, you know, I, I can't do that or this. But I just hear it. I hear it all the time, and I go, well, it must be really, really much harder if you're not on death's door when you can't breathe. Um, much easier to make a decision. Um, <clears throat> but the extension of that is, is that I think once you know that you're heading that way then the decision gets a lot easier. So I would say that that's one of the processes, is visualizing where you're going to be if you don't change. And, uh, and so I, I didn't have much worries in doing that because if I didn't change, I was going to be having a heart transplant in, in the next year. And that's basically the easiest thing for me. Last one to tackle this question is Josh Lajani. I would say that the easiest thing for me really is something a lot simpler than 
then a lot of those those things that are that are that are all really good. But I grew up working with my grandfather since I was like eleven years old, and we would get up really really early to go to work. And on the weekends, we'd get up really, really early to go deep sea fishing or go into the woods and go duck hunting or go. So waking up very early for me was the easiest step. And the easiest thing for me was something I recognized very early that I had a leg up on a lot of folks because I'm used to waking up at 2.30 in the morning if I need to. Waking up at 3.30 in the morning if I need to, to go for these two, three-hour walks and walk-slash-jogs I was doing very early on, on a weekend morning. So, and it's like an added little bonus, because I don't have my grandfather around anymore. When I wake up that early, it's like I'm, I'm, he's, I'm with him, you know? So, it's not, a, it's not a task for me to get up early. It feels good. It feels right. And so I would say that that is the easiest thing for me, and I think it has helped me a lot, is being willing to wake up at the butt crack of dawn regularly. One of the things that that is maybe a concern is that we're looking at you guys and thinking, like, maybe this is an anomaly. Maybe this is self-selection bias, and that there's, like, how come we're looking? You guys have done it, other people haven't. And so I want to look at the issue of all of you are up here paying it forward. And you're part of your. I'm curious about how the your interactions, you're sharing this lifestyle, you're sharing your story, helping other people, reaching out, which I know you all do on a daily basis with others. How that um, plays into your own ability to sustain it and, and and grow the transformation, as opposed to okay, I made this change, and now I'm done. Josh Lajani was the first one to take this question. Yeah, well, I mean, not to keep bringing up my grandfather, but we did a, we spent a lot of time in the Gulf of Mexico. He's, he was in the Navy, and he taught me how to operate. He taught me how to how to operate a, um, a motor vessel, and he taught me port and starboard. He taught me rules of the water, and he taught me to never pass a boat that is in distress. And so here I am, I have something figured out that feels really good, that has changed my life in a major way. And there are a whole bunch of vessels in distress all around me. I see it every day of my life. And so rather than me just sit here and try and maintain some weight loss that I've created in my life, finally, now I can do something. It's not me being on defense anymore from being a fat guy. I'm not defending myself from being fat anymore. Now I am on the offense, and I'm actively going and being sort of a first responder in a, in a way and helping those vessels that I see in distress all around me. And so it keeps me busy, and it keeps me alert, and it keeps me on fire, and it keeps me moving forward, and it keeps me progress-oriented and positive and, you know, empathetic you know so that that's how that ties in for me in my life now ken lander this is a great question um this goes kind of the core of uh, of who i am as a person um so i've lived my whole life serving people i was a lawyer so i sat across the table giving advice to people for years and years and years um, I was, I'm an advocate for coffee farmers and do that professionally now. But I don't know if anyone's ever been, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee or if you've ever been to the Dead Sea, there's two differences between those two. One is the Sea of Galilee, the water comes in and it goes out. And the water's fresh and it's full of fish. And the Dead Sea, it goes in and the water doesn't come out. And it's lifeless. And I don't know about you, I've lived in a different culture for the last 13 years in Costa Rica, where relationships with people, it's, I imagine it's a lot like too with them, where, you know, people are always in each other's lives and they're helping each other out. My community is 600 people. I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing, right? Sounds like Jack Bay. And I come to to the States, right? And I'm back in the States and everybody comes out of their box, they get in their other box, they drive to their box, 
they drive out and they get in another box to go buy their food and then they go back and get in their little box and they drive back and they go back home into their box and that's it. We're in an island. where you, it's, just, it's just suffocating how we don't get into each other's lives anymore. And um, so I think that's what I said today in my talk was the, the idea that, that, okay, so now I've made the decision and I'm transforming my life. But if I don't let the blessing come in and pour out to other people, then I'm just as dead as I was before. And so that's that's what I see is the the real the real the real difference. Here's Joseph Alexander. Well, what can I say after that? <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's absolutely essential. Uh, it's been essential to success. It will be essential to success going forward. For me, it's one of my central processes helping others with this. So there are things like learning, always learning, always. Uh, finding out the new information, always staying in contact with people. This is closely related. You know, we have this hugely successful Facebook group, the Engine 2 7 Day Rescue Diet uh, Facebook group that maybe some of you are in. Uh, and then there's all these other online forums as well as face-to-face -face interactions and being willing to go and talk or have one-on-one -on -one conversations or just talk to people in a restaurant. This happens if I go to a restaurant, people look at what I'm eating and say, why are you eating that way? And I pull out my phone and I show them why. I show them my picture. <laughs> and you know, being able to reach out and help others, that's what changes things. That's what changed me. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's what changes all of us. And here's Adam Sud. I think that uh, for me, it's, you know, I. Uh, Growing up and dealing with the things that I went through, I never felt like I had a lot of value. I didn't feel like I had anything of worth to offer anybody. And I know, I know there are a few things that I can do, and I can do this really well. I can connect to people, and I want to. And I think that if I have the opportunity to talk to one person and say one thing that may get them to think about their connection to the world and their connection to themselves differently, then I should. And I, not only do I, do I think I should, but I want to. Um, I'm not a religious person, but I am proud of being a Jew. And there's a quote from the, uh, um, from the Talmud that says, uh, to Kun Alam, repairing the world starts with you. And I think that that's the... Uh, that's going to be the underlying message of the rest of my life. At this point, we began soliciting questions from the audience. And the first one was from a woman who had achieved great success in turning her health around and in losing weight. But then she reached a plateau and got stuck there and wondered what the panel's experience was with bumping up against those plateaus and getting stuck and then figuring out ways to get unstuck. Adam Sud took the microphone first. Um, so, you know, one thing I want, I want to say is that when you're changing your life, even when you started before and you try those other things, you're trying, to, there's, there's, there's no failure in any of it. When you're changing something about your life, it's all trial and learning. You try something, it works, you learn something. It tr you try something, it doesn't, you also learn something. Every outcome is a positive because you gain some self-awareness. You're in a situation right now where you've done something and it's worked really well and now you're not seeing that it's going in the direction that's in alignment with where you're trying to go. So now you need to add something to it. And trying something that works or doesn't work will both bring you positive things because it allows you to gain more awareness of where you are right now and how your body responds to certain changes. I mean, none of us did this perfectly. No. None of us are perfect. Did a lot of screwing up. Yeah. And, and that, oh, we're still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably and, a better way. In but. fact, it was those, those opportunities that allowed us to gain that greater awareness of self. Like, you know, um, I know that for me, um, you know, I can't, I can't allow myself the opportunity to be in a situation where I might go out and start drinking, you know? Um, I, if I were to try, there's a possibility that I might do something else and I don't want to do it. Is it going to destroy my life? Probably not. But at the end of the day, I know that doesn't work. 
And so in the same thing, you found things that you know are no longer serving you. Those are great things that you gained about yourself. Now you're going to try one new thing. Don't overcomplicate it. Do one thing. Add more movement or change slightly, alter your diet into a different format that allows you to, to see something new, to change something about yourself. However it happens, it's positive. Here's Joseph's reply. I did this back and forth thing between 350 and 275 and 375 and 275 and 400 and 275. Um, I think until now, the last time I weighed under 250 was when I was a freshman in college. We're talking 25 years ago. So um, it was really interesting for me, and I don't know if there's a physiologic uh, reason for this, but there was a definite barrier there. So everything I've tried in the past, uh, the Atkins diet or protein power, or, um, whatever the keto equivalent of the day was, there was always that barrier there at around 250 or mm -hmm. 260. And I don't, I don't know what went on with that. I just could not get below it. It was my stepping off point. And I did something different this time. Mm -hmm. And I talked about this a little bit yesterday persistence. I did not stop. And one of the things that has been true about following a whole food, plant-based, no oil, minimal salt, minimal sugar diet is no matter what I tweaked, I did not gain weight. Mm -hmm. So I hung out at 275 for about a month. I hung out at 259 for three months. I was getting pissed. <laughs> but I stayed absolutely true. I did not eat one bite off the plant, and that's what made the difference. And, you know, I was training for, the, for, some, for some races and uh, doing some running, and I think that was adding on some muscle weight. But all of a sudden, bang, I dropped 10 pounds, and then I dropped another 10 pounds. Uh, and, you know, I think also as I get closer to where I'm headed, wherever that might be, that that process slows. And I, I've heard this from many, many people, you know, that last 10 pounds or that last 40 pounds was a bear. And it doesn't take the year or the six months that the previous weight took. It might take a year on its own or two years on its own, but you get there eventually. The biggest thing is do not stop. Do not give up what you know works and what you see 700 people around you that that's working for. Next, something pretty interesting happened. Ken Lander was supposed to talk next and wanted to defer to Josh because Ken feels like his weight loss has been stuck and therefore he's not really an expert and that Josh is his inspiration. And Josh pushed back, I think correctly, saying that just because someone's stuck doesn't mean they don't have something valuable to share. And in fact, people who think that the, the journey is is just one of easy, continuous weight loss are going to be sorely disappointed at some point. And so listening to Ken's current struggles can actually give people hope and guidance and advice along the way. So here's that little interaction, and then Ken takes over. I shall let you go because you got I'm, – I'm, I'm in the fight. I'm still in the fight. No, you need to speak more to me then. Yeah, but, you know, you, you've been such an inspiration on those things to <laughs> Don't me. Don't make me get the hose. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I dropped 138 pounds in the first 10 months. And then the last, from, from, from literally this last year, literally from August 19th to August 19th, I lost 51 pounds. And I just can't get past right now 241. And I just can't do it. I mean, I and I am increasing my my exercise. Um, I'm counting my calories even more. I mean, I'm going beyond, kind of extreme. And and I'm in a danger zone, to be quite honest with you, because I'm so competitive with myself that I want to get past it. But I am convinced that your body just reaches metabolic walls that it will not go past. And so what I'm doing now is I'm green fasting on Mondays and Thursdays. And so basically I just eat my green leafies, um, and I eat lots of them. I eat like 12 cups on Monday and 12 cups on Thursday, and frankly it's not fun. Um, it's just not fun. I get dizzy, and uh, we're still work out, and, 
And and so, you know, um, basically what I've been getting from a lot of my friends is just relax. Be persistent, but quit quit trying to worry so much. But I will tell you that there are ways to push through it, and um, persistence is key. But And don't get down on yourself either because you can't do it. You know, that's not an excuse to go back to the other way for sure. And then Josh took the microphone and gave his take on what happens when you get stuck at a weight loss plateau. Uh, I'm going to get just a little bit more, like, specific and granular, okay? Um, first of all, are you familiar with the principles involved with volumetrics and calorie density? Yeah. Okay. So, and so are you really paying attention to caloric density and staying very, making sure that we stay to the left of that green line, and that's what I'm eating. We're also not eating I like to I like to recommend that we get sort of like accidental fasting by making sure that you know we don't do we don't do night eating and then we eat later on and so we accidentally with our nighttime we get maybe if you look at like my there's some places where I share this type of stuff on like the U8 app or whatever you can see that my average fasting is like 14 hours okay and so it's very important you there's many areas where you might be falling short in the nutrition department just from a lack of knowledge. It's not a negative thing. It's just you, just like they say, stay in the fight and keep doing these little experimentations. Oh, damn, yes. It's that damn bowl of oats and bananas right before I go to bed or it's the handful of walnuts or it's whatever, right? So it's these things, okay? And, and so that's very important on, an, on the food side. The caloric density and the night eating, huge. That said, we got to move. We've got to move. It's not an option. You walked in here, you're able to walk. So then we need to do some extracurricular walking in the life, part of the lifestyle. When you fold that in, and we just keep growing that. You have your capacity, whatever that is today, that's great. Realize it, own it. And then fertilize it with some consistency and some effort and some sweat and some self-pride and some self-actualization. Right? Nobody's saying to become an ultra-marathoner, but you do need to do some extracurricular bipedal locomotion on the regular. Okay? At this point in the panel, your humble correspondent took over, and noting that the panel was entirely made up of men and that a lot of the people in the audience who were interested in weight loss were women, and, and that there was a whole bunch of women in the front row who had participated for up to two years in the Big Change program, I turned to them and asked for their perspective. And here's that of Darcy Bryant, who is a pharmacist working out of a retail location in Florida. Okay, so the, lose the last 40 or 50 pounds made me feel good because 50 pounds is what I had. 50 pounds is enough to make anybody sick. And... I, um, I started to eat plant-based and found myself completely, utterly alone. There wasn't a single soul around me that ate that way. So I joined their program, the Big Change program, and connected with all these people along the front row here. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I think the connection is huge. Um, seek it out, maintain it. And for me, what Josh said was the thing that put me over the top. It was the movement. Once I got that movement in every single day, I built some muscle, um, I have some capacity, um, and like you, I found that I really stabilized. If I was eating the right things, I was fine. I was staying where I was for the first time ever. And when I put in the extra movement and I clean it up just a little bit, then I get right where I need to be. Look, movement's not exercise. It's necessary, okay? So until you can surrender to that as a necessary component to the, one of the very crucial third stool, I mean third leg to the stool of menu, mindset, and movement, until we have all of those, we're going to be very unstable, right? So mix that in. Do it on purpose. You know, don't wait for some hypothetical, well, I want to lose 20 more pounds. Go outside and get sweaty in the morning, tomorrow, right? 
Next, we fielded an audience question that was not well recorded. Uh, the person was soft-spoken and behind the microphone. And it was about Josh waking up at 2.30 in the morning and how much sleep he actually gets. Because it seemed to a lot of people that, well, that's kind of daunting. And if that's what it takes to uh, move adequately throughout the day, then maybe that's not for me. I don't I don't get up at 2.30 in the morning. That was an exaggeration. Like, if I do get up at 2.30 morning, it's a, a planet. And so that means I need to go to bed for 6 in the afternoon, right? So it's it's not like I'm depriving myself of sleep to do these things. There's a process to it. Like, if I was going hunting or if I was going deep sea fishing, that meant I need to get to bed early because I need to get up at 2.30 in the morning. I did the same thing. I would do 20 milers in the middle of the week sometimes when I was getting ready for my 100-mile race. And so that meant I needed to get home from work early as I could and go to bed as early as I could because I need to run 20 miles on a Wednesday, which means I need to start at 2.30 a.m. Right? Yes. I still average about probably eight hours of sleep a night. I track all of that on my, my Garmin. Next, an audience member who is a coach for a healthy eating program asked the panel's opinion on what stops people or gets in the way when they try to adopt a healthy diet. And how did each of the panelists overcome that in their own life? First to respond is Joseph Alexander. Um, I'm a nurse, and I'll tell you what it is for me because I think it stems out of some of the same reasons I'm a nurse. I will do anything in the world for you. I will see your problems, I will diagnose your problems, I will apply the proper treatments to your problems and help you out. I'm not worth it. So until I was ready to say, you know what? I am worth it. I am worth taking some trouble and taking some of the time away from the people that I'm serving to do better for me so that then in the end I can do better for them. But until I was willing to, and you know, I can say this, and I'm not sure it turns the light on because I really don't know what that switch is. But for me, I was never able to do that before. I was never able to say, I deserve the trouble. I have the right to do good for myself. And now I don't say that anymore. So I had to make the decision to be a little selfish. Next, Adam Sud tackles the question. Um, so, you know, I can only speak to my experience, um, and, you know, I think that for me it came down to this acceptance that I was sick and tired of believing myself and needing others to think I was always right and being miserable alone. And the two thoughts, the two ideas just didn't match and nothing was serving me until I had to accept the fact that not knowing everything is the best way to be able to learn a lot. And when I decided that I was going to accept that in terms of my physical and emotional self, the only way I know how to do it really isn't working for me. And if I can accept those things, then I'm willing to be open to at least hear who's in front of me, who's willing to offer their advice. Maybe some of it will work, maybe some of it won't but at least I'm willing to try something new and move forward. And at no point was I saying I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I always told myself I'm willing to try something for today because I can see today. Today is all I'm in control of. I literally can't see a year from now. I can plan for seven days. I can probably plan for two weeks. I can track it. I can do that. But it's irrelevant if I take care of the next necessary step and continue to take care of that next necessary step. The rest will take care of itself in the time that was appropriate for me. And I think that that is the best way when I talk to somebody, I said, look, I don't, I don't ever want to ask anybody to do something for the rest of their lives. But I think that if you try something new, you might learn something about yourself. And if you're willing to, I'd love to help you do that. And I'm not saying that because there's something wrong with you. I'm saying that because... I want to help people bring positivity into their life. I don't think we ever remove negativity. We just outweigh it with positivity. Here's Josh Lajani's take on that. Real quick. I got, they're not pissed enough. <laughs> they need to get pissed off. It's not about being blocked from anything. They just haven't found that. 
I've seen people in my family die over and over and over. People I love dearly deteriorate in front of my eyes. And then now I know what I know. I'm pissed about it. It's not so much about me as much as it is I'm pissed about the whole paradigm. It is insane that my grandfather had such such a such a plethora of touch points with modern healthcare and yet we still have the outcomes that we had, right? I'm pissed. And so I would suggest that everyone in this room can find a reason to get really fired up about why the status quo is robbing you of life. The next question came from an audience member who was asking about cravings. And she mentioned that she can go six months at a time and be perfect in her food and feel wonderful. And then all of a sudden the cravings come. And as she put it, she would sell her three children for something to eat that wasn't on her plan. And she asked Joseph in particular what his advice would be. You know, uh, <laughs> I wish I could tell you they're never going to go away. I'm 19 months into this. What doing this continuously over time has bought me was a pause between the craving and reaching. And that started about a month out, and it's gotten a little longer and a little longer. I will say the cravings are much rarer. For most of the summer since Leadville, I had a craving for pizza. I mean, I was just, I would lay there in bed thinking about a hot cheese pizza with, you know, an inch of cheese on top. It would make me puke. But, um, but that craving was there. But I had the time to think and rationalize and, and do that. And really, the white knuckling, and I don't know if you guys remember this, talk, me talking about this a year and a half ago, but... I was white knuckling it a lot of the time, and I still tell people today, this is not an easier path. Don't think for a minute that, hey, we're offering you some kind of easier, softer way here. We're not. We're offering you a brutal, get pissed off at things approach where you need to take the, the bull by the balls, or excuse me, but <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, and there are periods of time where you were white knuckling it. That goes away. The white knuckling it, that part goes away at least most of the time. So persistence, don't stop, not one bite. I'll say that over and over and over. Since I was the moderator of the panel, I took the opportunity at the end to summarize and weave together some of the themes that had been brought out during the discussion. So here's me. I'll raise the levels as much as I can, and hopefully you'll be able to hear and find this useful. A couple of just sort of like closing thoughts. One, one is that while we talk a lot about food here because we love food and because uh, for obvious reasons it's one of the most important pillars, remember this is a really holistic process. So we're, we heard from Ken about this idea of I need to relax, right? We know that the immune system, when we're, when we're stressed out, wants us to, to hold on to weight because we don't know what, right? When, when we're talking about like the importance of adding movement in or of, of limiting our feeding window, like if I'm eating perfectly but I'm eating all, all through the night, I don't get a chance to turn things off, and, right? So there's, there's always something new to learn, which is why we're part of this learning community, and there's always something new to try, but let's, we want to start with the basics, start with the simple stuff, the food, the moving early, um, the learning, right? the thing we're good at, like we all know that there's low-hanging fruit that we're not doing. And one of the ways we distract ourselves is with complexity. It's like, oh, I read this new book that has a new thing, but I haven't started doing the old things. Right? Um, also, like, there's no division between this panel and the rest of us. Like, if you think about your life and you think, like, maybe you're stuck and, like, what's wrong with me and why do I keep having cravings and why am I stuck at this weight class and whatever, remember that we've all transformed. We are all the products of transformation. If we went back, if I just had a magic camera and we, had, we were all like toddlers sitting here, like looking around, you realize the transformations we make all the time effortlessly and that it's, it's within all of our power and, and, and it's, it's, it's proven. So rather than looking at the things where we're stuck, the 2% where we're not where we want to be, let's look at the 98% of how we've become who, who we are. Um, and 
And finally, just this, like the key thing, you know, Josh, Josh taught me a phrase, results dictate sufficiency. Like, there's always another thing to try. There's always an experiment where Adam says, like, just, you know, stay where you are and then try one new thing that, the, that our human ingenuity is so great that just sticking with it and trying stuff, keeping what works, dumping what doesn't, as Bruce Lee said, and add what is uniquely your own. Add what uniquely your own. It's a formula, and so so when we when we get crazy making in our own minds to return to a formula, to return to what's the next step, what's the next thing I'm going to try, can be um, you know very empowering. And I've 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 learned this all from these guys and from other folks who have um, articulated similar journeys and from, from lots of other people on these journeys. So I'm grateful for everyone um, who we continue to teach each other. And, uh, and as, we, um, as we gain clarity and strength, we go out and we, we create ripples and we change the world. So thank you so much, all of you. And that sparked Joseph Alexander to finish us off with his closing thoughts. Can I add 10 seconds? Sorry. Something I have learned from Josh. Don't sit stagnant. Do something that scares you. In my case, I signed up for a race that scared the living crap out of me, and then I did it again. So uh, do something. It doesn't need to be a race, but there needs to be something out there that's scaring you, that keeps your butt moving and on track. Amen. I left in the applause there for Joseph's comment. I love that. that You always want to be doing something that scares you. And it doesn't have to be scares you in a physical sense, like, you know, lying down on a railroad track or running a 50K, something that feels like rational fear would stop you from doing it. But look for, I think Joseph is saying, look for where the irrational fear is. Look for something where the ego is trying to protect itself as opposed to the physical body trying to protect itself. Look for where the ego is trying to keep us in a box, keep us safe, keep us from exploring our potential. And I think that's as good a spot as any to conclude this panel discussion with these four incredibly brave human beings who at the same time, by their own admission again and again, are nothing special. They've got nothing that you and I don't have. Yeah, they embarked on these successful transformation journeys, and they have fantastic before and after photos, but so can we all. And it comes down to making a decision, to leveraging our resources and our strengths, and committing to that decision. That, As Joseph says, not one bite, which in our case can be, we just commit and we stick with it no matter what the thoughts are in our head. We don't have to listen to them. We don't have to believe them. We don't have to be prisoners of them. And practicing what Joseph said at the end about doing something that scares you means that every single day you're challenging your limiting beliefs, your notions about who you are, who you've always been, who you have the right to become, that constantly knocking away at that, like that old computer game of, uh, of breakout, where every time your little green dot hits one of the bricks in the wall, the brick bursts, and eventually you can take down the whole wall just by doing one little thing at a time. All right. So I hope you really enjoyed that panel discussion with Josh Lajani, Ken Lander, Joseph Alexander, and Adam Sud from Plantstock 2018 on their transformation stories. I'm going to include links in the show notes for today's episode, which is plantyourself.com slash 285 to each of their websites, if they have one, and to the Engine 2 events page. So if you like, you can sign up for next year's plant stock and come and join us at All the Fun. If you'd like to support the show, one of the best ways to do so is to give it a rating and a review on iTunes. I got a couple of new ones since the last time I shared. Anthony700 from the UK writes, this is an essential podcast. I am a new subscriber and already hooked. Howard leaves you wanting more. A brilliant and informative podcast for everyone who takes their health seriously and should do. The best of all my downloads. Keep up the great work, mate. And on behalf of the vegan community, thank you for the hard work you put into the podcasts. 
The shows are very much appreciated. Tony from London, UK. Well, thank you. It's great to know that there are folks in London who appreciate my work because there's an awful lot of folks in London whom I appreciate. So right back at you. And mate, maybe you're from Australia originally. So uh, good on you. And I also have a review from Colleen Patrick Goudreau. Uh, love, love this podcast. Always great and always inspiring to keeping me on my path of health and wellness. Well, Colleen, I'm a huge fan of yours. So thank you very much for the love. I got a teeny bit of garden news. The uh, edamame have been coming in fast and furious. So pounds and pounds of them, been cooking them in giant pots and just sort of standing over the compost bucket and kind of like turning myself into a machine to get out the uh, the soybeans and then throwing the uh, the pods and husks into the compost to head back out into the garden. Those are about done. The muscadine grapes, the scuppernungs, are close, I would say another week or two, and those should be there in abundance. And I've noticed that we have one of the best-looking pecan harvests in a while. We have not eaten almost any of pecans from last year because there's so much darn trouble to shell. So uh, anyone in the area who wants to take home a bunch of pecans, uh, just uh, hit me up, hj at plantyourself.com. We'll find a time for you to come. Probably in um, two, three weeks, they'll be ready to uh, take off the tree and let sit for three to six months to become ready to eat. In running news, I still haven't chosen a race, but I did do a more or less tempo run on Saturday, 10 miles, average nine and a half minutes per mile, which is not near where I was a year ago, but I'm still recovering. And I've also been doing a lot of sprinting as part of the uh, Ultimate Frisbee practice and the Carborough Fall League, which started last night, which had me chasing a bunch of skinny guys in their early 20s, which was a great deal of fun until they got serious and just sort of sprinted away from me. All right, if you've listened this far, I'm hoping that you are a fan. And one way to support the show is to do so financially. If you have the wherewithal, if you have the means to make a monthly contribution, that goes a long way, both psychologically in helping me feel like this work means something out in the universe, but also practically just giving me a financial cushion so I can spend the hours that it takes every single week to find the guests, research, do the calls, do the post-production, write it up, and everything that goes with it, and then promoting it to increase the audience. If you want to do that, you can go to plantyourself.com. Scroll down on the right sidebar. You'll see a Patreon button, which allows you to very easily sign up to become a monthly patron to give me a predictable and reliable income source related to this podcast. And there's some goodies that go along with that. But basically, everything that you could get, you're, everyone's already getting for free, and so what really you're doing is, is um, your part in making sure that this information is freely and publicly available to whoever can benefit from it. All right, it's time for the thanks. Thanks, of course, to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use Sabali Dom, The Dance of Peace, his beautiful song is the theme music for this podcast. Check out willridenauer.com for more music and for information about events in which he will be playing. I think he'll be at uh, Shikori Hills coming up, I think, in uh, late September or early October. You can check out uh, Shikori Hills Grassroots Music Festival if you're uh, in North Carolina. And a good time will be had by all. And of course, thanks to all you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. I've heard from a few of you that you prefer the slower version, so uh, I don't have to always be showing off how many uh, names I can do in a single breath. So let's let's do that today with a little bit of uh, ease and generosity of time to uh, to say each of your names. So let's start with. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, which rhymes with circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gilles Lesser, David Donahue, Blair Seibert, 
Daron Avizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburk, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Linneman, which rhymes with cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergener, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the panda vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch of Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzals, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Kopel, Shell Rutledge, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Lang, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Erin Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lael, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker Miracle, and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divot, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Cassia, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, and welcoming new patrons Rosamund McAtee and Dan Picorni. Thanks to all of you for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Lukanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gil David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carl- Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Nolly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch at Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parang Ganshik, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>